My name is Jeremy Devins and welcome to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast and it's on YouTube as well so you can watch along and see the transits if that's helpful for you. But I'll explain everything in detail so you can know what's going on this month and this lesson about the February 2020 Vedic Astrology Horoscope. So if you want to see how things are playing out, I'll actually have a visual representation of that on the YouTube channel, Quiet Mind Yoga YouTube. Uh, but you can also just listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find this, or my website, quietmind.yoga, where you can find links to all of those things. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the major transits going on. And uh, I'm going to, if, if you want to see the visuals, I'm going to go through that from February 1st to the 29th. Uh, so there's just a couple of major things happening this month because last month was huge. There was the tra the transit of Saturn into Capricorn and uh, the real new moon of the first new moon after the uh, new year. So sort of the Vedic new year. So real time, if you haven't felt a sort of shift in energy at this point, uh, it's definitely happened for a lot of people I've talked to. And myself personally, it's like we're just sort of in a new time now, especially after January 24th. And now moving ahead, like now we're in this two and a half year cycle with Saturn. So things are starting to play out. So going through this month, uh, you can just, I'll just click through the days here and you can watch the planets move across the sky essentially. Uh, and really you want to ignore the houses when I go through these charts and I'm actually going to turn that off. So I'm going to show um, house numbers, no, and don't need to see the birth data or the scores. Uh, okay, so just knowing, so we're starting the month on February 1st with the Sun in Capricorn with Saturn. Um, the major stuff happening this month is really Mercury is going retrograde on the 17th. And then, of course, the full and new moon are always significant for starting new moon and ending, completing things in general on the full moon. Uh, but also just good times to sort of review your intentions and to review and take stock of where things are at. But in general, we're starting here. Uh, Saturn and Capricorn is the biggest thing going on. And I go through the month and you see there's obviously some move. The moon moves every two and a half days. So that's always changing. And we go through the sun moves into Aquarius on the 13th. Again, this is always as always Vedic astrology, the sidereal zodiac, which I talked about in the previous episode of how to transition from Western to Vedic astrology. So you can actually see if you're not understanding that quite clearly, you can actually see exactly what the sidereal zodiac is and how it's very close to the actual astronomy zodiac of measuring where the stars are in the sky versus the tropical zodiac of western astrology which is based on where things were 2000 years ago before they knew about the tilt of the earth in uh, babylon so now moving through just where the sun is in aquarius in the actual sky if you look up you'll see that uh, and mercury goes retrograde right there on the 17th right so you see where me becomes mr mer and Mercury goes retrograde for a while. It uh, happens three or four times a year, right? So all through the rest of February into March, uh, Mercury is retrograde. 
And then the new moon is on the 9th, February 9th. The new moon is in Ashlesha Nakshatra. And then on the 23rd, the full moon is in Satavisha Nakshatra. And of course, the nakshatras are the divisions of the sky. There's 27 nakshatras with four divisions. So a total of 108 divisions of the sky based on the nakshatras, which I will be covering in more depth in the future. Uh, but for now, just to kind of give you the overview of the month. So beyond that, right, Mars is in Scorpio, very strong placement for Mars. It does move into Sagittarius, right? And I don't follow, talk about all the transits too much, right? but that is happening this month as well. Um, those are both pretty strong placements for Mars. So good time for initiation and action in general. Venus is in Pisces. Uh, so... The way I'm seeing that play out is there could be um, Pisces is dual. It's like it's like a fish moving in opposite directions, right? So there could be some issues in the relationships and the love and relationships of feeling sort of pulled in multiple directions. It's a dual natured sign, so it can see both sides, and it could equal equally be strong on either side. So there could be some conflicts, some sort of uh, challenges in relationship in general, or it could be great sex, right? Pisces is related to pleasures of the bed, like the 12th house, and could be related to uh, just being sort of dreamy and romantic and uh, all these nice things in relationship and sensual in relationship. So if you have a sexual partner, this is a good time for that as well, uh, but just maybe not getting too hung up with the Mars energy, strong in Scorpio and strong in Sagittarius later meeting that sort of um, that dual nature to Venus right now, uh, it could just be sort of combustible depending on your own chart, your own placements. You want to be cautious of uh, these things in relationship. Uh, and if you have some sort of creative art that's like imaginative and dreamy and like you sort of maybe you're a visual artist or uh, interpreting dreams even, if you an analyze your dreams, like this is all... There's always multiple ways you can work with energies, right? It's, I'm always very cautious of any astrologer, anybody who says, oh, this is what this means. Or maybe, especially when it's like, you should be freaked out about this thing. It's like, um, possibly, that's possible, right? And if you focus on that, it's even more possible. If you give energy and attention to the negative and the catastrophe, it's even more possible. Uh, and that's something interesting about the history of astrology where it's like, uh, if you don't tell like the king and the rulers, the traditionally astrologers would work for the, the rulers, and if they didn't tell them the catastrophe that was going to happen, they'd get beheaded and exiled, or well, exiled, then beheaded, right, in that order. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter what happens. Once you're beheaded, I mean, they can exile you. That's it's not such a big deal. But you get the idea. So it's, and it's part of the tradition and sort of the, the history, the unfortunate history of astrology. And then people would... Maybe uh, tell people to be very worried and then you think, oh, I need, I need to make sure nothing bad happens to me. So I got to hire the astrologer who's saying something bad's going to happen to me. Maybe, maybe not. And my perspective is like, especially from a yoga perspective, if you're doing sadhana, that sort of smooths everything out. If you have a regular sort of practice or discipline, that smooths everything out because you're working through karma in your lifetime and you can do that sort of unconsciously by 
resolving conflicts and relationships, interpersonal things, uh, creating more karma for yourself by getting into fights and creating messes. But yoga practice is the process of burning away karmas and burning through impurities, the tapas, the fire. And if you have some sort of tapasya practice of like sitting in meditation or Maybe it's even like no sugar for 10 days or, you know, something like that, some sort of discipline or drinking eight glasses of water a day or sleeping eight hours a day. These things are tapas. They are disciplines. They are passion. And they are uh, expressions of your will, your human free will. You're saying, I'm not going to use this to just do whatever I want and whatever feels good and eat whatever I want. I'm going to use this to be disciplined and focused and structured. And that's going to help bring out the more positive expressions of these planetary energies that are swirling around us, right? So it's like all just potential and we can do anything with it. Some energies are stronger and more influential and may have a more negative effect on us. And that is totally possible and totally normal. Still, regardless of that, you could have the worst possible negative influence in your life. It's how your mind perceives it, right? So a lot of, I've done a lot of work with refugees in the past and people have been through horrendous things and they say it made them stronger and they realized like they didn't, a specific example of a woman who was tortured, ran away from this torturing situation in, this, in Kenya and her family was tortured. She got out of it and was they, her brother also was saved and they both got out of it and like they told me the story of like running and fleeing from gunfire right and and realizing that they have choice and they have there was so little control in that situation they had so little they could do and they did their best to get out of it and they were able to get out of it and not everybody is and there are you know realities of people struggling and, and being challenged but there is that always that choice and that's the atman the true self the observer in ourselves that's observing and choosing how to respond to these things so be very cautious of anybody especially astrologers who tell you that you're screwed or this bad thing's going to happen to you and what your mind does with that right so you can choose what to do with it you can choose how to respond to it just like in a yoga posture you can you feel a little bit discomfort like when you're stretching when you're in a deep pose it's a little uncomfortable and traditionally and typically and instinctually you might respond to discomfort by avoiding it uh, and avoiding pain and seeking pleasure uh, but yoga and meditation and these sort of practices teach us not to avoid pain not to seek pleasure but to be content and present with what is and choose how to respond to these things and it doesn't mean being complacent and it doesn't mean being controlling it's this fine line of being present and engaged detached but fully engaged right so this is what we do with these energies and right now those energies are really strongly influencing our disciplines our structures uh, all things that do with saturn our habits or routines commitments contracts anything where you put your name on a piece of paper and say this is who i am this is what i'm committing to knowing this is my ego this is my identity i'm choosing to play this role and I get to be a human, I get to be alive, I get to explore these things. And this is, it's all play, it's all Layla in the Hindu philosophy, it's just play, all right? We're just here to explore things. So even though Saturn can bring limitations and structures and, and sort of feel imposing at times, and I've experienced Saturn transits in my own life as major losses, major difficulties, major obstacles, 
being robbed, uh, car breaking down, uh, almost losing my job at one point. Uh, I have in one time losing two jobs uh, with a Saturn transit. So Saturn is is not like really there are sometimes called like benefic planets and malefic planets. Uh, but really, it's just your perspective of it, right? Some things, we could perceive them as negative influences, we could perceive them as positive, uh, or we could perceive them as interesting. Hmm. Interesting. So we're having to work through these things that do with relationships and commitments, and uh, is this really what I want? And not letting ourselves get caught up in the doubt and insecurity and worry and fear, which Saturn can also represent, and just focusing on getting into action and service with the strong Mars this month. It's a great energy for doing that. And with Saturn in general, it's all about service. Saturn uh, is a great representation of serving underprivileged people, volunteering, and your own practice as a sort of giving up surrender of your time. Time is what Saturn represents as well. So you're saying, I'm not going to be selfish and say, I don't have enough time. I need to hoard my time and then just end up spending it like scrolling social media anyway. I'm going to say, I have so much time, so much to give. I can easily and freely give of my time to my practices and maybe to donate to causes I believe in, maybe to donate to charities, to give to charities of my time and money and attention. And these sort of things are influences that are happening. So Saturn is having this energy and influence, this pull on us or this pressure on us, however you want to ex describe it or feel it. But just like the, the moon has a pull on the earth and it affects the tides and it affects strongly like the, the water on the earth and the water in our bodies and our emotions and our mind. Saturn in the same way has a sort of pull on the earth that we can't measure at this point, and I think it, you know, it's it's easy to fall into a sort of pseudoscience here, but from observation and just noticing, hmm, interesting, these things happen with the Saturn transits. I've noticed these things over the years, all these things I'm talking about, and these are the things the old texts talk about, and the old yogis who would sit and meditate and realize these things, and you know, it validates it. And so my experience and what I've observed and maybe your experience as well, this time there's this energy sort of pulling on you to like, all right, well, what are you going to commit to? And it's not necessarily right now, but in this next two and a half year window, like what's the big picture? So going a little more precise into the uh, particulars of this month, again, going through the whole month, right? We just see the transits that are happening and Venus does move into Aries at the end of the month, bringing more passion and direction and focus to the relationships and less of that sort of two fish moving in opposite directions. Now it's just a ram moving straight ahead. So that conflict will probably be resolved in the relationship uh, and bring more forward moving energy. Of course, we still have Rahu and Gemini and Ketu and Sagittarius as they have been for quite a while and will be for several more months. And uh, just in general, this month with the with the full moon and the new moon, some favorable things to consider around February 9th. Uh, this is a great time for, again, uh, sensuality, sexuality, and relationship. There's a lot of sort of forces working together, especially with the Ashlesha uh, 
full moon. It's a good time for that. Things that require being firm and even a little bit harsh, like resolving conflicts and having difficult conversations, which is often something that needs to happen to move forward and something that we might avoid because it seems unpleasurable. Uh, but it is a great necessary step for personal growth and not always something you have to push or force, but if you need to have those conversations around the full moon is a great time to do that. Not a good time for beginning new activities or starting projects of a positive nature, uh, business trade, giving or receiving financial loans. So if you can hold off on that stuff more towards the new moon, that will likely go a lot smoother and a lot less resistance. As always, you can do whatever you want. You've got free will. But sometimes, you know, if it's if it's raining outside, good luck getting a suntan, right? So you want to you want to work with the nature and environment around you and not fight against it and go with the flow of things that are happening. So path of least resistance, right? And, uh, the Tao the Te Ching is a huge influence. That's I consider that my Bible, really, the Tao Te Ching. And it feel like it's a it's an embodiment. I believe it's an embodiment of these sort of teachings of of what I feel to be true. And uh, there's a lot of overlap with Vedic teachings in many ways. And then the new moon on the, is, is in Shatabisha on the 23rd. So this is a good time for signing business deals and contracts, land and property deals, anything to do with education, learning, like completing education, uh, starting education, travel, bike riding, acquiring new vehicles, recreational ventures, meditation, Again, sexual activity, sensuality in relationships, astronomy and astrology studies, any sort of therapy, always a good thing. Uh, any sort of media events, technological activities, visiting the ocean and the sea if you want to do that. Uh, not a great time for uh, lawsuits, arguments, negative actions, right? So if you can get that stuff out of the way earlier in the month, the more challenging conversations, difficult conversations, avoid starting initiating things earlier in the month. And then that all kind of flips towards the end of the month. So uh, not a good time for uh, totally new beginnings at the end of the month, but you can definitely like commit, sign the contracts, commit to things, because that's a major theme in general for this two and a half year period. Uh, towards the end of the month, uh, not a great time for buying new clothes or jewelry. Uh, anything to do with like finances in general, really uh, this whole month, like if you have to make any huge financial decisions, always you can do anything you want, but maybe like double check, talk it over, meditate on it, get perspective, and maybe wait until next month, a more favorable time for doing things like that. So those are the major transits. And then of course the Mercury retrograde is happening on the 17th. And that continues until, let me make sure I got the right date, until March 9th, right? So just, just three weeks there, one, two, three, four weeks, my mistake. So one, two, three, no, three weeks, I had that right. So three weeks of Mercury going retrograde and then it becomes direct. So Mercury retrograde, as I've talked about before, it's always good to reminder though, retrograde, reverse, review, rewrite, restorative yoga, rest, recovery. Um, not the time for beginnings in general as well. So another good time as well for all those things. Rest, recovery, restoring, reviewing, rewriting, and like for me personally, I'm scheduling that time to 
rewrite my yoga teacher training course that's coming out in late March. So uh, I, I've just actually completing my, so I'm running a teacher training right now and they were completing it just after the Mercury retrograde, right? So I plan my schedule around these things and I find it's much more helpful to work around them than maybe to ignore them or work against them. So you might consider doing something similar. So I see, okay, Mercury retrogrades coming up. I'm going to plan that into my teacher training so that we're not learning new things in the teacher training at that point. We're reviewing everything. It's a great time to review. Then their final exam and certification is right after it goes direct. Now things move forward in communication, business, all things to do with Mercury. And then personally, while all my students in the last class are reviewing everything, I'm reviewing everything as well and planning for the next teacher training in the next class, the next groups coming up. And I'm not, definitely not, launching my teacher training during a Mercury retrograde. And actually, uh, you know, I, I'm in... I have a business as well. I'm an entrepreneur in this work and I watch, I follow other business people and entrepreneurs in this work and I learn from them just as I learn from other astrologers and yoga teachers and uh, someone I really love and respect and I've learned a lot from. She did a launch and I was watching it. It was like, okay, she's launching on a Mercury retrograde. This was the last retrograde that happened. And I thought that was interesting. I want to see what happens. I want to kind of watch this. I'm just going to observe, right? Just see what happens and knowing what I know about Mercury retrograde, trying to stay a neutral observer and just see what can we learn from this process? Because I would not do that knowing what I know. And I watched and she launched and there was a lot of issues and people didn't sign up as much. Like usually she does really well in her product launches and events and courses and stuff, uh, but not as many people sign up for this one. And I have a little sort of behind the scenes view. So I, I know a little bit about what happened. I don't know everything. But I do know that she had some technical difficulties, which are Mercury retrograde issues, and she had some delays and setbacks, and it didn't go as well and smooth, and there were some issues with that. And she relaunched like four weeks later, after Mercury finished its whole cycle, after it was direct for a couple weeks, then she relaunched, and it went way better. And almost in every measure, as far as I know, it, it, was, it was far more successful. So that was just interesting to observe, right? I about a year ago, bought it, had to get rid of an old computer and I chose to buy a new computer during a Mercury retrograde. And uh, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. You know, I could wait, but I'm just kind of curious because I like to test these things and uh, ordered it when it went retrograde. I was like, I could have, if I would have just, I knew I was going to order this. I could have done it before the retrograde, but I delayed it and I ordered it during the retrograde. And it, normally I know from that site, it only takes like two or three days to deliver things. It took them about four weeks. So after Mercury finished its whole cycle, then they sent the computer. So Mercury rules things to do with information technology, computers. So there you go. Learn from my experience. Don't buy a computer. Don't launch a new product or service uh, during this Mercury retrograde. Again, that is February 17th until uh, March 9th. Of course, life goes on. You've got to do things. You've got to create things and move on. Fine, do that. But if you can avoid it, if you can delay it, if you can say maybe we'll do this after March 9th, probably going to go a lot smoother. I'd like to hear from you if you have any experience with this and your own stories. I love to hear these stories. They help me collect data and information just to observe and know how this stuff plays out because uh, we're all learning together. 
So that's it for the February overview. Again, just a real quick recap. So there's uh, Ashlesha new moon on February 9th. Aquarius, sun goes into Aquarius on the 13th. Uh, that I didn't say too much about that, but that just brings sun, our, our sort of soul, our authority, our uh, drive, ambition in some ways, our uh, father figures, leadership qualities, moves into Aquarius. So Aquarius, the qualities of humanitarianism, thinking about the bigger picture, thinking about society as a whole and the environment, and not so much selfish, but uh, more instead of the other focus of like, how do I fit into the whole picture? How can I serve others? which I'm sort of embellishing a little bit there to fit it in because it fits so well with what's happening with Saturn and all the other stuff going on I mentioned. So if you put all these things together, then you just add Sun and Aquarius with that. It just makes this a great time for service-oriented work, uh, community-oriented work, things to do with how, how am I affecting the whole? How am I affecting the environment and my community? And how can I be a positive influence or the influence I want to be, or what role do I want to play in all of that? And this brings some drive, ambition, focus, authority, energy into those qualities. Uh, and that's right before the, the Valentine's Day as well on the 14th. So all this stuff with what I mentioned, it's a great time for romance, intimacy, and sensuality in relationship. And yeah, there might be some difficult conversations. There might be some major conversations about what you want to create together who where you're going what is the big picture of this relationship and what do i really love like love what do i love like really in my heart what what lights me up like not oh, i should do this or i should do that or you know we've been together and it should be this way or just kind of going with what's been but like really where is my heart at now like recentering rechecking in now and again, as always, that's why it's so important to have practices that do that where you can recenter and check in again. And so meditation, yoga, whatever that is for you. In general, this month, if you want to do uh, yoga practices, partner yoga practices, definitely recommended for the Venusian energy and working through those conflicts in relationship and interpersonally. Some sort of pranayama practices, like strong pranayama practices to work with the Mercury retrograde as in like breath of fire or Kapalabhati breathing, which is a quick exhale through the nose, like sitting in meditative posture, doing that for three minutes. Like that can be very, very much clearing of the mind and making you, makes me at least, I feel far more receptive to being a vessel to the universe when I do that practice. And then Kundalini Yoga, maybe very helpful as well because it incorporates things like that working with the energy of others and working with pranayama practices so that's my overview of february 2020 and if you have any questions or feedback leave a comment on the youtube video quiet mind yoga youtube channel or subscribe comment uh, leave a review on apple Podcasts. these things all help tremendously and if you want to keep in touch you can follow find me on quietmind.yoga is the website and you can sign up for any of the free offerings i have there quietmind.yoga slash astrology there's some great astrology freebies you can check out there but thank you for listening and watching and have a great month